As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's a new day! Yes, it is! Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Wild and Crazy! Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hogan for the win. We're going to consistently put players in position to succeed. The most important piece is we're going to take the North and never give it back. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogan. I don't think that this is a, bit, a full rebuild, but you definitely have to retool your roster. And from the Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Hey, what's up, Flues? And we're going to have measurable ways for standards of performance every single rep, every single game. Anyway, uh, who cares? Now, here they are, the Adams. Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogue and Johns back with you after a Bears list weekend. A little mini buy for the Chicago Bears. We thought we'd give you an episode a little bit early because of that. These 11 days off. Johns, how'd you uh, enjoy your Bears list weekend? Um, I watched a lot of football. I coached some football. Okay. Um, one son had a soccer game. But the Johns boys play three football games. Uh, I also watched some of Josh Allen. Some of Jalen Hurts. I've who else did I see? I watched those two games because okay. the Johns boys took up most of my weekend, which they should. Yeah, you have seven of them now. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> feels like it sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I actually spent most of yesterday not watching football. To be honest, we did some like fall, went to a farm, saw some animals, pumpkins, uh, went to a brewery. It was a nice little day. I saw the I saw the fourth quarter of the Chiefs Bills game, which was great football. Yeah, and then I and then I saw my fantasy team lose by an excruciating one point eight points in the uh, Sunday night game. <laughs> I am sorry, everybody, that th- this podcast somehow always goes back to Adam Hogue's fantasy football team, but here we are in a league where, where somehow what was that trade you pulled off again? I got Josh Allen. Yeah, but what did you get? You got Josh Allen. No, yeah, I got Josh. Yeah, Allen. yeah. Guy should be banned from doing fantasy football. Number one, but yeah, there's some others in the league that feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, who cares? All right, well, we have a special episode coming for you today. We thought with the mini buy and everything that's been going on in that crazy game we all witnessed uh, Thursday night against Washington, that we get to together the bunch. 
of the Bears reporters, uh, those that are inside that Bears media room on a daily basis to get together and have like kind of a big picture conversation about the first six games of this season with 11 to go. Uh, we started with five, including ourselves, and then we ended up in a, in a six-man formation. Well, five-man, one-woman formation, I think, if we're being completely accurate on that one. Um, but very excited about this. We've been looking forward to this all week. We've put it together, and, um, well, let's jump right into it with our conversation with a bunch of Bears reporters. Roundtable. Okay, so with the mini-buy, we thought it'd be a good idea to kind of do a roundtable of the great Bears reporters we have covering this not-so-great football team. So we're bringing in Chris Emma, Mark Grody, Colleen Kane, all here on a Monday as we get this thing going. What's going on, guys? Thanks for having us. This is fun. Been looking forward to this all mini-buy weekend. Sure you have. <laughs> <laughs> See, when Notre Dame was losing on Saturday night, he, the only thing that was keeping him happy was this coming up on Monday morning. Oh, you're actually right, though. That's. <laughs> I'm happy to be here, too. Thank you. And Grody, come on. Say you're oh, happy no, to be here I'm, as well. I am absolutely <laughs> thrilled. I, you know, just, I, I wanted to hear more about Emma's mini buy. But yes, of course, I'm very happy to be here with you, talented ladies and gentlemen. Well, of course, uh, Chris and Mark Grody covering the Bears for 670 score, uh, Odyssey, and also Emma doing some stuff for Marquee these days, too, as well. And uh, rocking hoodie season, as we can see. on That's, that's a solid hoodie. That's good. 90s kids coming to town next month. Nice. My buddy's fan. And Colleen Kane covering the Bears for the Tribune. All right, guys. So lots of digest um, from what was not a pretty game at all Thursday night and uh, Grody was out there battling the elements, his giant jacket that we were just discussing (laughs) off uh, before we were recording here. Grody, let's start with you. What were, what were you, uh, what were you seeing down there from the bears with your sideline view as they were, you know, both teams struggling to put up points, but then every once in a while you'd see, Oh, there's an exciting play. And then they just couldn't get in the end zone. 0 for 3 from inside the 6-yard line on first and goal. Yeah, I saw pain. I saw pain in a lot of different ways. And I'll talk about the figurative pain of not getting the ball into the end zone because I think that when it, when you, when you're that close that many times, there's a feeling from the crowd of WTF, why are you not getting into the end zone? Well, guess what? It's the same way for the players, you know, coming over the sideline and shaking their heads, you know, not once, not twice, but three times. And once it's bad enough, like for morale, when you talk about their demeanors on the sideline, I mean, that that absolutely sucks. So there was the pain of that. And then I saw a lot of pain in general from the players. I mean, we all saw Justin Fields and the, the, the hits he took. Every single time he came to the sideline, I get as close to him as I could. You'd kind of see trainers, doctors, kind of like, do we need to go over by him? And he'd kind of shoo them off and defiantly sit down at his place and get on the tablets and get back to it, I suppose, to his credit. But he was taking a beating. And then, you know, the same thing with the offensive linemen. It's sort of one by one, 
the the inside of the Bears offensive line, starting with Tevin Jenkins with the shoulder and Lucas Patrick, then with a concussion. Amazing that they both eventually took more snaps. But I guess the word of the day for me is uh, pain in all sorts of different ways, uh, just from observing the guys on the sideline. Chris and Colleen, what, what did you think of, of that game? It, it felt it, it got more unbelievable to me as it just <laughs> like even down to like the final possession, like where Justin Fields runs the ball down to the four, and then they miss four attempts. It just got cut. Unbelievable is probably the best way I could put it. It was inexplicable. It's wild. But how did you feel covering this game? To to me, it was one of the the wildest games I've covered in my ten plus years covering this team. You, you know, you, you could what Grody said, piggybacking off that the, the pain they felt. I, I know you and I saw the same thing in the locker room uh, post game, Johns, because we had kind of the same lead and the same thoughts of just like how down. In particular, the quarterback Justin Fields just. The, the look on his face as he sat there in disbelief and so many of the, these teammates trying to pick each other up and look, it's not a good football team. We know that. But the thing is, these guys have been coached and forced this belief into each other that they're better than people think and that they can go out and surprise people. So on the outside, I don't think anybody's saying, I can't believe the Bears lost that game. But inside that locker room, like they're genuinely shocked and distraught right now. They thought they were going to be better than two and four right now. Uh, they believe that there's better talent on this football team, and, and whether you know whether it's true or not, that's the kind of belief that you want in year one with a foundational type season. And you heard it too, Justin Fields after the game saying, "I'm sick of hearing we're close. I'm sick of hearing it." That's come from the head coach, like that's Matt Eberflus is telling them, and he said it. That's his post game message was, "We're that close. A couple more plays away." Look, these guys are sick of it. They're sick of falling up short, and. Ideally, Justin Fields is that piece that you build with, and he gets you out of being close and makes those winning plays in time. But they just don't have the talent right now. And as odd as that game seemed, I don't think it's all that surprising, considering that this is just not a very good football team. I was going to use you using all those adjectives. I was going to say astounding was the one that I came up with. Um, just the red zone issues and the fact that you know, like we were asking Eberflus after the game you know, what's, what's the common theme in the red zone issues? And he's like, well, there isn't one because, you know, Justin goes down to the five and throws an interception. Then they can't, you know, punch it in with Khalil Herbert from fourth and one. Then Justin misses a wide open Ryan Griffin. Then Darnell Mooney drops it, you know, and it's like, there's everything that's wrong with the offense. It all shows up in the, in the red zone issues. And it just, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I was trying to, um, I have to do the running gamer. So I like post it right after the game. And after Vela's like, you know, off the catch, I was just like, oh, it was, shit. <laughs> it was, it was a hard one to, to write about. It's like a running list of problems. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, right. And the, the Vela's thing is just like this big explosion at the end. You know what I mean? It's like, no, no. After all of that, yeah. there's the Vela's muffed and not looking like, and there's no excuses either. No, there's no more excuses for Vela's Jones on that. No, no. It's, it's like the timing of it too, right? It's not just like a, a first quarter muff punt. It's fourth yeah. quarter, close game. Yeah. <laughs> this inside the 10. Right. Yeah. So with all those problems, that I think we're all acknowledging that are there. Um, are, would you say that all the criticisms of Justin fields so far this season are fair. I mean, the, the numbers aren't great. Numbers don't always tell the whole story, but you know, at least he's got his completion percentage up to 54% now. Um, four touchdowns, five interceptions at this point in the season. I, I guess 
what is fair to put on the quarterback so far? Because by all metrics, he's essentially the worst quarter starting quarterback in the NFL right now. But at other times, you you know, the talent's still popping at, out at you and you're going, well, wait a minute, he just doesn't have any help. Yeah, I think if you want to do this objectively and fairly, you have to separate both the fact of the offensive line of receivers with what Justin Fields is doing and not doing. And, and it's so easy to just say one or the other. He doesn't have the talent around him, this or that, or the play calling's not there. But then you watch a game like that and you see, you know, a miss like to Ryan Griffin in the end zone or that first drive where he's got Mooney coming back on the in route and just can't hit him. And how many opportunities we've seen throughout the course of the year, that Green Bay game where you get EQ running the um, – uh, running out down the sidelines. He gets open, and, and that's a throw that most quarterbacks find. They get that guy open, and they hit him. It's just there's examples, of course, drop passes, Dante Pettis, how many drops we saw in Minneapolis, things like that, uh, protection issues, how many times he's scrambling. I get that all. But if you really want to do this the right way, you have to really identify what Justin's doing versus what the offense is prohibiting. And he's missing opportunities still. Uh, he's missing some of the layups. He's hit some spectacular plays, no doubt. That run was outstanding. Uh, that throw to Pettis for the touchdown was superb. That's what you want to see. And we've seen the glimpses in his young career now, what, 15, 16 starts, whatever it is. But there's still so many opportunities that are there that he's not taking. Uh, he's not converting. So, yes, ideally when you do get that supporting cast and you get – you know, I, that number one, he doesn't have that number one right now. He might not even have that number two right now. Uh, but when you get those guys, if he does have the luxury of having that, maybe they elevate him. I don't know. Maybe a better offensive line gives him uh, an opportunity to be the quarterback that we find. But you can't just lump it in and say he doesn't have the talent throw this year out because you're seeing opportunities that are there and he's not getting them. Uh, which L train was that going by? That's the, uh, the brown and the red. You're uh, old neck of the woods, Hogue. Yeah, just want to just I, I know that sound. It just want to you clarify which line it was. I think it was now the sound got, of the elevated tracks. Now we know how Emma got a uh, one bedroom apartment for fifty months in park. Steal me, he absolutely. That's awesome. Uh, no, it's all you fifty Really, that's awesome. Oh yeah, there's a there's a train that goes over your head every. <laughs> yeah colleen uh yeah i mean i think what what emma was saying it's hard it's just hard to separate it out because he's obviously you know like he's anxious in the pocket he's he's t too often you know taking the ball and running with it you know without going through his progressions and you're like yeah, but he's also like has a reason to be anxious, right? Like they're the he's getting pressure all the time. Same with the receiver stuff. Like we hear, so we'll go, you know, we go into some of the plays and we'll hear that Darnell Mooney didn't run the exact, you know, wasn't in the exact right position. And you're like, okay, so he's in the wrong spot, but shouldn't he still have been able to hit that throw? Same with Ryan Griffin, like, okay, maybe he should have been a little bit farther back, but he still should have been able to hit him there. Right. Like, so it's, it's very, I don't know. It's hard to separate it out as you're, as you know, as for your question about whether it's fair. Yeah, of course it's fair. I don't think it's fair to panic and write him off yet as some people are doing, but it's fair to criticize. I, I when, when Justin Fields has time, I, I love those moments and it feels like they're far and few in between when he has time and he's back there surveying like that, that's Justin Fields, like college Justin Fields, where he had that time and he had those receivers getting open. There are not enough moments like that. Um, and his, quite frankly, his 
the 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 interceptions too. I mean, I, I there there are interceptions that are worse than others. It feels like most of his are at very destructive. There are no innocuous in, interceptions when it comes to Justin Fields. It seems like, um, and and I, I I agree with Emma in that there are too many times where unfortunately we can all turn on the tape and look at the or just watch the game in real time depending on what your angle is and see guys that he should have gone to or guys that were open that he should have been able to find. That's the kind of thing that's got to be fixed. And I, and I don't know after 16 games that he has started in his career, at what point do you say, yeah, there's no excuse for not seeing that guy wide open and sticking to his progressions um, and, and not looking to, to Colleen's point to, you know, looking at that first read and then not really moving on to other things. So, uh, and then he's also, you know, <laughs> and I know this is the easy thing to say after watching the game the other night. He's still, you know, an ongoing problem for him since that first hit he took in the preseason, where he was blindsided, looked like he was knocked out. He's still got to protect himself better. You know, he he, he rel- relatively speaking, he got away with it in that game. You know, he admitted he was hurting. It's his left shoulder, and he's gonna. You know, he said that he's determined to play in the Monday night game. And I believe he will, but guess what? We all know that one of these times he's not going to get up. And I think that's incumbent upon him to protect himself better too. Mark, can I quickly ask you about their sideline operation since you're there, you're you're present, you're always watching Justin Fields. I think a lot of times the broadcast just kind of captures him alone, just sitting there by himself. And he was famously caught, you know, with his eyes closed this time going through his look like his breathing techniques. But, um, from your vantage point, like how is the communication working with with Getzi? I know Junoko, the quarterbacks coach, Andrew Junoko, is up in the booth, but like who's working with them? Who's going over the film with them? How many times is Getzi over there having conversations with them? Can you take us through that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think for the most part, his the most consistent person in his ear or with the tablet or sharing notes is Trevor Simeon for sure the Bears backup quarterback. So that, and that kind of was similar to the the predicaments last year as well, except it was Nick Foles was his BFF for sure. So Simeon is the first guy. Luke Getze definitely comes over to him a, a decent amount. It's a little bit more intermittent. It's not just automatic that Getze will come over to, to Justin Fields, but he's over there, you know, a decent amount of the time. Um, you know, he'll, Justin Fields will occasionally conduct um, meetings with his wide receivers. I see that a decent amount with any of those guys, like just talking about things that need to be in place. But I would say that, yes, yeah, Simeon is definitely the first person in his year. Then Luke Getzey, and then every once in a blue moon, Eberflus. But Eberflus, for the most part, I mean, 90% of the time he's in his place and sort of staying away and letting the coaches coach. To his credit, I think. Uh, I was yeah. curious about that because there's – I think there's a level of concern out there. I don't know if you're going to hit on that, Adam, but no, at least I, so, yeah. I'm not concerned about it. I do think like I, I think if I had a pick, I like the fact that Luke Getzey's down on the sideline instead of upstairs in the booth. But I think every coach is different. It's, you know, however they feel like they can best coach their team. And that's fine. I do think the downside, though, of having the OC downstairs and the QB coach upstairs is just 
obviously the offense coordinator has more to worry about than just the quarterback. And he's got to start game planning the next drive and, you know, checking his charts and all this stuff. So it can't just be like the QB coach where like, I'm concerned about the quarterback every moment. And so I do think you, you have to have others step up on the staff or even it sounds like in the case of Trevor Simeon. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. I just think that's, that's the downside to doing it the way the bears are doing it. Well, I will say this real quick, just to jump back in that, there's a decent amount of times where, you know, one of our uh, great media relations people, uh, Allie Sayers, will she, she'll be like, uh, phone call, phone call, Mr. Fields, and they'll get on the hard line. So there's, there is a lot of, as you guys know, communication with Justin Fields or Luke Getze to, I assume, Andrew Janoco up in the booth. So they communicate that way as well. Yeah. Colleen, at, at this point, six games in, how, how do you feel about Luke Getze? The Bears' offensive coordinator, his play calling. I think, at least in my opinion, you see opportunities there. I don't know if the quarterback gets there, but you also see some play calls. You're like, oh, like what's going on there? Like the, the fourth and one. Like I don't know if it's a good mm-hmm. idea to run into the strength of the Washington defense with their their two you know great defensive tackles. So six games in, what do you think about Luke Edzi? Yeah, I think the jury's still out, right? Like, um, I, I thought the stuff at the beginning of the year with the run-pass balance was overblown. I, I thought there was, uh, in the, you know, there were the game situations were unique in, enough in that, you know, and now we're obviously seeing Justin throw more. So I thought that was kind of overblown. Um, but I think, like you said, I think there are obvious examples of plays working and receivers just missing them and Justin just missing them. And so, um, but I do think, yeah, I, I, every offensive coordinator is going to have plays that you're questioning, right? Like, especially when you miss on the, in the red zone, I think the red zone issues are probably a little bit on him. I was, I heard people asking about what you guys think about having Khalil Herbert in there at the end. And it was something I was like thinking to myself at the in the game and uh, should, should they have put David Montgomery in, in that situation? I know that, I know that they stick with like to stick with, you know, drives with Khalil and with David. But to me, I was like, David seems like the one that's going to get you the yard there. I saw that two ways. One that like, you want to reward the player who got you down there. Cause that was mm-hmm. the, that was like three or four plays after the, was it a 60 yard or 61 yarder by Khalil Herbert? Yeah. So he put you in that position and they have stuck to their, the rotation there where it, it was Khalil Herbert's possession and he was not going to leave during that possession. And if, if there's one criticism I have, it's you almost wonder if the, like you look at the snap counts of the, the running backs in that game and, and Montgomery played like considerably more, even though Herbert seemed to be running the ball a bit better. I don't know if there could be an adjustment there or like last week, Adam suggested, let's get him on the field. You know, if you have issues at receiver, why not get your best two running backs, two of your best players on the field at the same time? Figure something out in that regard. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I still feel the same way. Like, if you're in this position where you have to keep playing Amir Smith-Marset, right? Like, like, can't you come up with something in which you have, you, you know, if you have two good running backs, get them out there together. I'm not saying every play. Obviously, you can't do that. No. But, you know, in certain moments, come up with some type of package that at least gets your best playmakers out there. Hey, I'll, it, I'll, 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 go ahead, Emma. I, I was gonna say I, I've I've liked what Luke Getzey's vision and plan is for this offense, and you, you're exactly right. And the the run pass balance thing is overblown. I've seen purpose with the run while also creating opportunities in the passing game. 
Uh, I've seen some really good design. Like that, that the play that Fields Mr. Griffin, like I had to go back on that like three different times saying, where did Griffin come from? And like, if you're uh, on the Washington defense, full speed, you have no idea. Uh, that's an example of, of Getsy's innovation, they creating opportunities. I think his biggest issue right now, guys, is just the fact that he's trying to figure out who he can trust and, and who he goes to in these kind of situations, and specifically in the red zone. Uh, you're right. That probably should have been a Montgomery opportunity there when you get in goal to go and you want your guy who can power on home for those scores. Um, I think he's just kind of struggling with the idea of who does he trust? Who can he go to in these key situations? And that's all positions, not just running back, but receiver, of course, uh, for one, understanding what he can do with timing for fields behind that offensive line. Uh, there's so many different aspects of this offense that are disjointed right now. And I think gets, he knows what he wants to do. I think he's just struggling to identify how he does it with this group. Yeah, he's got to adjust game to game, half to half. I mean, you could even say quarter to quarter. There's a lot. There's a ton of adjusting because even if something is going right, it starts to go wrong. I'll say this: I hated the game plan against Green Bay. I mean, I know that they 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 ended up running the ball very well that day, but it, if there, I, I thought that you know going in and say we're just going to kick their ass in the run game. I do think that there was some fear, or it has been some fear of what, or trust, I should say, trust issues with what they think Justin Fields is capable of at this point. And no matter what you want to say, personnel, uh, this team, you know, rebuild. When you go 0 for 3 in the red zone and five yards or less in those three situations, that does not look good on a resume. And that does go on Luke Getze's resume. Talk about the players all day, but if we're actually evaluating the offensive coordinator at this point, it's it's an incomplete, especially considering what you know what we kind of thought things would be in terms of scheme and all of that. And I just I, there's been a more earnest effort to throw the ball downfield, at least to give the attempt of throwing the ball downfield. But I think there needs to be more of that, a little bit more trust and a little more guts at times too. One thing we've uh, started to explore here a little bit, guys. I, I think on the podcast. Um, and certainly a little bit post game Thursday. It's just, you know, where does Ryan Poles fit in all this? And and I'd love to hear if we ever get a chance to talk to him. Um, you know, and I'm not even sure to answer the question honestly. But you know, was your approach this year with Justin Fields as simple as sink or swim with what's on the roster? Like let's see what you're really made of, or did he over evaluate the guys that he was bringing in here? You know, like maybe a Byron Pringle or something like yep. that that he just thought would be much more impactful than than maybe they have. Um, even like a Lucas Patrick, you know, did he think these guys were going to give Justin Fields more help than they really have to this point? I just love to to hear your thoughts, Kyle. Let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I we need to hear from him on the top on the topic, right? Like, I just don't know. I feel like everything that we knew was going to be a problem is a problem. Like everyone knew it. He had to have known it too, right? right? Like if we yeah. all knew it, he has to know it. Um, so I don't, you know, I think he's been, he was clear in the preseason that this is going to be a long process. Like, I think he made that pretty clear. He didn't want to use the word rebuilding, but he in kind of subtly was like, you know, obviously I can't make all the moves I want to make, but it's just, I guess I just don't know how he views Justin in the lens of all of this in, you know, the offensive line not functioning properly and the wide receivers not, you know, being what he thought they were going to be or, you know, helping Justin out, I guess. I just don't know 
how he views that or and it's we would need to hear from him i guess <laughs> i, I want to know if i was thinking this the other day does at this point does ryan poles regret not having been more serious about the wide receiver position in the off season. I want to, I don't know if we'd ever get the answer to that question. And we might get the answer to that question, depending on what he does transactionally for the rest of this season. Does he regret that at this point? Because I think he thought he could get away with rank and file receivers, except for Darnell Mooney. But now here he is on this Island with Amir Smith, Marset and, and just, it's just not working out with these guys, except for intermittently. So I do, I, I really wonder if he, you know, at this point, the great hope for Bears fans is there, and you guys know this, if you mention Nikhil Harry's name, Bears fans go crazy because he's still the great unknown. He has not been tarnished yet. So d- does he It just takes this- one drop. <laughs> Everything changes. It's all it can take. <laughs> Everyone was excited about Dante Pettis, you know? You know, second opportunity, you know, high round draft pick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, right. Oh, like We've that. been talking about oh, like, There's a reason why he's not on the Patriots anymore. There's a reason why he's circling the Patriots, his former team on the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really earnestly wonder if you would have done things like just, just one that that could be dependable in that decent free air, a good free agent crop of receivers. So I, I, I do wonder about that because I think he's seeing, I think we're all seeing that, you know, there's the debate of, does the quarterback make the wide receiver great or does the receiver make the, the quarterback? Like, how does that all come together? I think right now some of the receivers are, even though Justin Fields has his issues, no doubt about it, I think some of the receivers are bringing his game down at this point. Yeah, I, I'm we, curious to see, and Chris, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Like, how much is his – like, I, I think he had a very favorable view of Justin Fields coming in. Yeah. Like, how much is that – changing now like i'm sure he loves the toughness and the resiliency because you know he scouts for resiliency he's talked about looking for that in players and justin fields is showing a ton of it right now getting hurt playing on making plays putting his team in a situation in another game to to win a football game like he's he's showing resiliency but at the same time there's misses there there's the ryan griffin miss there's the cole Komet miss over the middle there's the holding the ball too long, which you know hurts the offensive line a, a bit. Like I'm sure he's experiencing this this roller coaster as well. So, what I'm curious about, like by the end of the year, like does the resiliency win out, or is he more concerned about maybe some of the misses and the hesitancy, you know, to throw the ball? Yeah, we've been talking about, about Nikhil Harry, like he's Jerry Rice. It's just like I, I get the whole deal with this receiver, like it's. I think Poles did think that he has enough around fields. Like back to the combine, he talked about Darnell Mooney. Remember that? He guys, he said really? about Darnell Mooney. You think he thought there was enough around Justin Fields yeah. with that group? Really? Yeah. I don't think he thought it was a top group, but he thought it was a functional group. He thought he had a one in Mooney. He thought something like Pringle could emerge as that too. He, he thought it wasn't going to be this bad. Uh, and to your point, Adam, it's a great question. How does he now reevaluate fields throughout the course of the season? Maybe alter his expectations. Um, we talked way too much about how tough Justin Fields is. Going back to last year as well, you got to stop talking about. It. He's got to stop getting these hits. Uh, the Bears got to take better care of him and give him an opportunity now. Uh, so yeah, like we talked about before, it's about parsing out what you have and don't have at wide receiver in the offensive line versus what 
Fields is doing within the course of this offense. I do think it's going to get better for Fields. I think he's going to continue to grow within Getz's scheme. Um, I, I certainly see the opportunity that's there as he develops within this group. Um, yeah, I, I I said, you know, I, I do want to be fair on it. I want to be objective and say, you know, separate what the supporting cast is versus what the quarterback's doing, but it needs to be better. Like Mooney, the Mooney thing has not worked out the way that Ryan Poles envisioned. I think he truly thought he could be one of those, you know, top tier receivers, maybe not top five, obviously, but like top 15 group. Um, that's not worked out so far. None of these other guys have stepped up to be those difference-making players around Justin Fields. And let's throw Cole Komet in there as well. Komet's not made that kind of jump that everybody thought maybe he could have this season. You're just not seeing that group emerging around Fields. And yet, now it's on the general manager to say how much of this is the quarterback versus how much of this is the supporting cast. I think, to be fair in the receivers thing, too, like – Obviously, there's depth issue because of all the injuries, like Pringle's out now, Harry has been out, Bayless missed all of that time in camp, and so that is possibly why he's not, you know, farther along than he is. So there, there is something there, too, to the injuries. You can't always plan for that, but obviously that goes back to the depth then of, of what he was able to bring in. So, Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. 
Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Our guy Herb Howard has entered the meeting. What's up, Herb? Not too much. How y'all feeling this morning? What's going on, Eastern Time Zone? <laughs> Something. We can start this over, right? Start this from the top. Yeah. Um, we were just Herb. We were just talking about um, Ryan Poles' place. In just look at Justin's numbers. They are they are what they are. They're they're among the worst among like starting quarterbacks. Like how much? Blame that does Ryan Poles get in this conversation? Where would you put things? Uh, I think you would have to. I don't know if blame is the right word. I think it would be intentional. I think he has to understand it. He certainly shouldn't be surprised by what he's seen from Justin. He understood that he didn't put much around him. And so I think that he was kind of coming into this season trying to just see how much can Justin do on his own? How can I evaluate him off the field as much as I evaluate him on the field? Is he the kind of leader that we want to be? Is he the kind of guy that people will follow? Can he make some of those special plays on his own? But in terms of trying to evaluate him based on his numbers, when you know for sure that you didn't put much around him in terms of elite level talent on the outside, elite level talent on the front line, I don't know that you can evaluate him like that. So I I don't know that I would say I, I blame Pose, but I would certainly say that he shouldn't be surprised by what he's seeing. I think that he understood exactly what to expect from Justin coming into this season. So I guess I'm just like the follow-up to that is, is uh, what, what's the motivation behind that strategy? You know what I mean? Like why, why, why not give your young quarterback like, the tools he needs to succeed? Like, I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like that's the best way to develop or and or evaluate him because aren't we all sitting here right now like confused about what Justin really is because yes he's struggling but also he's in a like one of the worst situations you could put any quarterback let alone a second year quarterback who's still trying to figure it out yeah I think he's trying to just try to tear this thing down to the studs and just see exactly what Justin can and cannot do kind of on his own almost, right? And there are a couple of pieces around him you like they do in the backfield. But in terms of investing heavily into that offense, I think he just wasn't going to do that. He wanted to come in, kind of evaluate this thing from a clean slate. Who, who do I want here? Which are some, How many of these young guys can be building blocks going forward? And then we'll, give, we'll, we'll actually evaluate Justin next year, right? In terms of do we want him here when, we, when we're going to be good? Once he's able to make those investments, once he's able to have a full allotment of, of draft picks and cap space and those types of things. So I, I don't, I'm not saying that it's the best plan, but I do think he came in with his mind made up that he wasn't going to invest heavily in this team. He was going to simply see who was already here, who we want to keep, who was going to be gone. And then after that, we'll try and surround whoever's left with, with what they need. That's, that's why I wonder if, and, and Herb is right. That that's been the plan. He's been steadfast in it. He's been consistent in that. But I do wonder, as a first-time general manager, and first-time all general managers make mistakes, and first-time general managers, for sure, I just wonder if he was being honest after this season is over, unless things change considerably, if he would be like, yeah, I've done things differently. Maybe I would not have, well, maybe I shouldn't have started from, from day one. 
You know what I mean? Like maybe I should, maybe Larry Borum was not the right guy to develop at right tackle or whatever the case may be. Or maybe I should have brought in this receiver or extra offensive lineman. I just wonder if he, this is a learning experience for him. This is nothing devastating. Not like he screwed this. We've seen rebuilds before, but I do wonder if he, if he would, if he had to do it again, if he would be a little bit more sincere with the players that he put on this roster. I want to go back to what Herb talked about in terms of like building blocks, because I think what you have right now is a young quarterback caught up in a rebuilding process. And it's, it's probably unfair to, to, to Justin a bit because he's in his second season, but it is what it is. This is what the Bears do to quarterbacks, right? <laughs> they, yep. you know, the, the GM, the head coach, and the quarterback are, are never truly aligned, and he's just got to somehow to, you know, find a way to succeed through this, through a rebuilding process, through a year where they're looking at, at a lot of young players at, at a lot of young, a lot of different spots. So, in terms of building blocks, Chris, Emma, let's start with you. Like. Who are some of the players that you see through six games that, oh, yeah, he's a building block. Like, he belongs here, not only just, like, here next year, but two years, three years. Like, the the Bears can use him. And, like, who are your guys? Give us five. You know, it, it, it's been nice to see Khalil Herbert getting more of the opportunity, and I want to see that continue throughout the course of this year is that multidimensional backfield, not just Montgomery, but getting Herbert more involved. I think he's somebody who fits the system well. Uh, who can give some versatility out of the backfield. Uh, I don't think we've still seen a ceiling yet. He's midway through his second season. He's a six-round pick. Uh, credit to Ryan Pace. That was a terrific find in the draft. I think he's somebody you could be building with. And when you look at that running back position now, Dave Montgomery in a contract year, you look at Ryan Pulse's background in Kansas City, not really willing to give running backs those big money second deals. Uh, Montgomery should covet good stability. I just don't think he's going to get that in Chicago. Uh, so, yeah, I think Herbert is somebody you can continue to build with with this offense now, going from his second to his third season and beyond that. Um, I wish I had a great long list of guys. <laughs> That's to the problem, to, right? But <laughs> it's not a very good football team. Um, I, you know, you just you want to see guys emerge, right? This is what the season's all about now. Two and four. There's 11 games left. It's, uh, it's hard to say, but look, there's uh, you need to see some of these guys kind of emerge and getting these opportunities now. Um, I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, it's been nice to see uh, the bounce back here for Eddie Jackson. Uh, you're seeing some of the dividends of what he wanted to do uh, mixed in with what Matt Eberflus envisioned for him. Um, I mean, I'd, I think I was expecting a little bit more from that young group. Jaquan Brisker's had his moments. Kyler Gordon has had his growing pains. Ideally, that turns into some highlights for him as the season progresses on. But I expected more from that defensive group. Colleen, got uh, any names? Yep. Uh, Jalen Johnson, I yeah. think, is one. Um, I think, yeah. I mean, like, I think it's still it's hard to tell whether I, I think Brisker and and probably maybe Gordon will get there. Uh, will probably be building blacks, uh, but maybe it's a little too early to tell at this point. Um, like, I think Mooney is still a, a building block. I, you know, maybe he's not the number one receiver guy that that. They have, you know, that they have placed him in that role this year, but I think he's still building black. I would agree with maybe Herbert. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at the offensive line and I'm not sure. How about, here's a name for you guys, <laughs> Herb and Mark. How about Tevin Jenkins? Mm. Mm. See, John, I kind of look at the question like, who can you not afford to lose? Like, who do you have to lock up going forward? And to me, like Jalen Johnson's the first name. 
Then I'm like, all well, right, he's got that's a contract a, coming up. That's a cornerback position. That's a you know a marquee spot. You can't afford to lose him. We already saw him this season. How different the defense looked when he wasn't out there. It's like I don't know. Does Khalil Herbert fit that for me? Like I'm not going to give him an extension either. Just like I'm not going to give David Montgomery a huge amount of money. You know what I mean? So like. Tevin Jenkins has a lot more to prove before I put him anywhere near that category. I don't think there's a single offensive lineman right now that I would, I'd be like, up, oh, yeah, can't live without that guy. Yeah, and it still, it still feels unfinished with Tevin Jenkins to me. Like even though, in terms of the evaluation process of Jenkins and how Jenkins feels about the Bears and everything that went down at the beginning of the season, I know we haven't heard anything about that whole storyline for a while, but. I, I still am curious as to what they truly think about Tevin Jenkins and where or if he fits in with the Bears next season. So I agree. There's not a lot of guys on this roster who are untouchable, I suppose would be a good way to put it. I'm totally with Colleen on, on Jalen Johnson. I feel like that's a guy that just – just get, I like watching him get better every year. Like that that's the type of dude he is. He just gets a little bit better every year. But yeah, I mean, we're all talking about the same guys with Brisker and Gordon. I'll throw in a Dominique Robinson. I like the way he has played. I mean, sometimes you don't know he's out there, but every once in a while then you hear his name called two or three times. So he's an interesting prospect. And I do wonder if, you know, some of these other like if we're if we're gonna see a Jatiri Carter get some playing time on the offensive line at some point in time with this Alex Leatherwood, Alex Leatherwood. Yeah. I mean, Emma, they talked about these lineup changes. I thought that was one of the most interesting things that Eberflus offered. I was not in the Matty Eberflus press conference, but I know you guys were asking, or actually, I think he just offered that the plan was three good things, three bad things in the evaluation. And we're going to look at everything. And he said, we're going to look at lineup. So I think that's fair. Yep. Well, here, here's I mean, a name for you. Sorry, Herb, let's go with you. Roquan Smith. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I think so, right? I, I think Roquan should be a building block. There's obviously the contract situation, and I think, if nothing else, I think Poles will tag him. Like, I, I think so, at least once. Um, we'll see We'll see what comes of that. But I'm I'm, I'm with you guys, Jalen Johnson for sure. But I think it goes back to what we were talking about in terms of Ryan Poles' plan. I think he understood. I don't know who is untouchable. I don't know who I have to have here. So let's just throw all these guys out there. See what we got. And so if we get 17 stars from a fifth round left tackle from Southern Utah, that's a win. Whether he does well or not, we just we got 17 stars from a fifth round left tackle. Let's just see and find out if he's something that we can build with. I love everything I've seen from Jaquan Brisker. I think they're doing the same thing with Kyler Gordon in terms of just throwing him out there. We saw how bad he struggled the first three, four games. He's gotten a little bit better the last two games. But just throw him out there. Keep putting everything on his plate. Let him play outside. Let him play inside. Let him struggle. Let him grow through it or not grow through it. Doesn't really matter. We're going to evaluate this thing at the end and see if he is one of those guys. I think they're doing that with a lot of these young kids. And they just kind of kind of find out. I love that Emma threw out Alex Leatherwood's name. You got to see what you can get from Enkil Harry when he comes back. If he could be better than Mooney, right? If he could be more productive than Mooney, then maybe you have a situation where you can go into next year where Enkil Harry is your number two. You go out and find a legitimate number one, either in free agency or the draft, and now Mooney's your third wide receiver in the slot. And now you got a pretty good group coming into that year, but you just got to find out. You just got to throw these guys out there and see. I think that's what they're doing with a lot of these guys. I don't think he can answer affirmatively for anyone on that team, save the couple of names that we've thrown out. All right, guys, let's end with this. Um, there's 11 games left on the schedule. Can you find four wins? 
So like if I were to say the over under on wins the rest of the season, not the total on the season, just from this point on is three and a half. Are you taking the over? Emma, let's start with you. Pulling out my Bears pocket schedule here for you. Um, I, I did I did this exercise ahead of time. They don't make pocket but, schedules, do they? They do. Right here, baby. It's um, look, it's, it's I want to say yes. I, I, I kid about the pocket schedule. I want to say yes, right? I mean, it's tough. This is like – I know there's parity in the NFL. Weird things happen. There's going to be injuries to other teams, things like that. But it's tough. Like, ideally, you, you beat the Lions in one of these games, right? Um, maybe you steal one from the Vikings in that week 18 game. I don't know. It's, it's a really tough road the rest of the way. I mean, looking at those Eagles and Bills games in December, Soldier Field, those teams look like two of the best teams in football right now. Um, Falcons look feisty. Jets are suddenly upstart. Like, I want to say yes. I want to say they get those former wins, but it's hard to look down the schedule and say, oh, it's there. And what game are they going to be favored in? Like in in the next five, The, the Lions game. Lions at home, maybe. Yeah, they weren't I, even I, favored I against Washington. It was a, a pick them where they were getting a point, and that's yeah. well. And some of these games that looked like possible wins have gotten a lot harder. You know, Atlanta beat the 49ers yesterday. They're three and three. The Jets are obviously, uh, you know, much improved. They go into Lambeau and win, which the Bears can't do. Um, you know, <laughs> and you're going through a brutal stretch there right around the bye week where you come out of the bye and you're playing the Eagles and the Bills. You know what I mean? Like, so this schedule that we thought was a lot easier, uh, I, I think they went through the so-called easy part already, and they're two and four. I I would have thought, actually, that, that the New England game would have been winnable, and I get everything that go on the road, Bill Belichick, young quarterback, but I don't know, this whole zappy thing has kind of... <laughs> Times, but I don't know if that's for real. Zappy's just going to be a punchline in a year or so. And then the Dallas game, I thought they would win one of those two games on the road, but now it looks like Dak Prescott. I, I would I would be shocked if Prescott's not back right. by over 30th game against Dallas. So I don't even know. Hey, guys, I'm just trying to get to eight wins. I picked the Bears to have eight wins somehow this season. I, Marky Mark. Yeah. <laughs> I think I always pick them against Detroit. And then Atlanta, and then maybe if they can get the Minnesota one, if Minnesota's like you know not playing for anything at that point or something that, or you know, like if they've already got their fate sealed. That's only three, Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) Both Detroit. I'll pick them both Detroit. Detroit. That's my. That's how they get to four. You might steal that Dolphins game. You might steal that Vikings (laughs) finale. There's the NFL's weird. Like you know, it's easy to go down the schedule to loss, 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 this and that, but like. I don't know. You, you win games you're not supposed to win. You, you get them on soon against a team that's pretty good, and, and you pull it out week one. Things like that. Um, the the problem is Adam mentioned is that they lost a game on Thursday, and they've lost games that they should have won. Like they've not made those winning plays, and they've not gotten the job done in the the quote unquote easy part of their schedule. And now you really get the challenges, and you're trying. When we talk about the big picture now, developing this young roster and identifying these pieces against some really good football teams, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I think I think there's a way to find to find four. I hope so. I picked them to get six, right? So I need I need them to find these last four. I think I'll always take them over the Lions. I'm with Colleen on that. I'll, I'll always take them over the Lions. I think they could go down there and get the Falcons. And I'm trying to find a fourth that I feel good about, and I don't. I don't really feel good about the Jets. I don't really feel good about the Vikings. I certainly don't feel good about the boys or the Bills. So uh, 
we'll 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 see. Uh, I'm hoping that they can find four, but I'll, I'll right now I can only confidently say I feel decent about three, and that's the Lions and the Falcons. So they may just come in right around five, which again, if I'm Ryan Poles, not the worst thing. I've got a lot of young kids, yeah. some experience, and I still got a top five pick. And you know, I'm not going to come out and say, "Hey, I'm happy about the draft pick" or anything. I'm not saying they're tanking. Certainly not, but. It's not the worst thing in the world for them to, you know, get all this experience from their young kids and not win a ton of games. Yeah, it is just what it is in a rebuilding process. All right, all right, quickly, um, everybody, what do you want to see from Justin Fields over these next eleven games? Let's start with with you, Herb. I, I just want to see him continue to get better post snap. Right, I think he's gotten to a space where he understands what he's seeing pre snap. Can he get to the space on post snap to where he's able to quickly decipher what happens to him and find answers with his eyes and his arm? He can find the answers with his feet. And I'm not opposed to that. Right? I'm not opposed to him taking off and running. He can do it more. I, w- I would like them to incorporate some more design runs, some of the read option stuff we saw last night with Jalen Hurts. Like, let's do some of that stuff. Um, but as far as Justin specifically, he's been able to find the answers with his eyes and his arm. Can he get to his third progression? Can he come all the way across formation and get to his fourth? He's got, he's kind of at a space now you hear him being defiant about, oh, he's my fourth, fifth read. Well, maybe sometimes you need to get to your fourth or fifth read. That's okay. That's not against the rules. Like you can get to your fourth or fifth read sometimes. And so it will be nice for him to kind of get to that level at some point in the season where you see him kind of scan the entire field, chop his feet, climb the pocket, slide, and make a throw uh, accurately on, you know, third and seven, third and eight, that type of thing. Because right now that seems like an automatic sack or either a scramble for a first down. Yeah, for me, it's got to start with health. This whole season's a wash. It means nothing. If you lose your quarterback, you're not able to get those evaluations. Like, keep him healthy. It's been tough. He's He's been dealing with it this year. And, and then uh, piggybacking off what Herb said, just – finding those opportunities within the course of the offense or finding that busted coverage and making those big plays that he's not been able to make yet this season. Uh, and like Herb said, yeah, go through your reads and see, oh, there's somebody there. You just got off the safety. He's open with 40 yards downfield. Like not everything has to be within the timing and rhythm of the offense. Ideally, that's how you get that best functionality, but you want to find those opportunities of somebody who gets open and beats his one-on-one. Um, and that's how you make those big plays. That's how you transform the course of the second season for him. So that's what I want to see more of from him. I would say not even just the big plays, sometimes just the easy plays, yeah. right? Like he's missing on some of those. Um, but also, you know, as her was saying, have some more calm in the pocket. Um, obviously not always just take it and run, make more plays with his arm, um, work on that breathing with his <laughs> yoga instructor. Yeah. <laughs> and stay healthy, of course, like Chris yeah. said. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's everything. I think that the the calm in the pocket is just so important. I mean, I'm still like what he said a couple of weeks ago in regards, you know, and I know we had fun with the yoga stuff, but just the revelation that he made that, hey man, this game is just now starting to slow down for me. I mean, that's huge. You never hear football players say, Yeah, this game is too fast for me. He essentially said that that day that I, I he was trying to speed up because everything else was so fast. So he th- that's so massive that he just said he's just starting to understand how to compose himself on an NFL field. And I want to see that continue to develop, not just from one game where the camera catches him doing the deep breathing. I want to see that continue to develop because 
that's absolutely everything, I think, for Justin Fields. If he can let everything slow down and see it the way he needs to see it, because he ain't seeing it yet. He's not seeing the open guys. He's not seeing his second and third reads. Once he can do that, then I think that we could start to say, okay, there's there's something here with this guy that he might be good or great. Did y'all see the graphic that yeah, did y'all see the graphic they put up last night about Jalen Hurts in terms of how much offensive coordinator turnover he's had since college? Every single year he's had a new OC until this year. This is the first year that he's had consecutive OCs, and it, and you can see the difference on the field. That matters. Like like I don't think that I don't think that we put enough emphasis on how difficult it is for Justin to be a second year quarterback already under his second system. We talk about the minimal talent that he has around him. That just amplifies the issue. The issue is he's trying to learn a totally new system in two years. He had to invest heavily to try to figure out what Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor were trying to do. Now you're trying to do this thing, and it's like that that in and of itself is hard. That slows down your post-snap clock in and of itself. So I think that if he's able to have that stability next year and more talent around him, we could potentially see him begin to reach the potential that that, that I certainly think he has. Yeah, I'm going to be controversial here. I'm going to say I just want to see more touchdowns because that's, <laughs> you, that's how you uh, – Four points. I know. But, I mean, come on. Four touchdowns, uh, five if you include his rushing touchdown through six games. For for a guy as dynamic as he is who can score with his legs too, that's just not enough in today's NFL. So, you know, and there's missed opportunities every game, three missed opportunities just Thursday night um, where that total can be a lot higher. And granted, there's a lot of things going on as we've discussed here in this hour, but some of it can be on him too. To just go get it, go get that ball across the goal line. So, yeah. Well, you know what, Hogue? I, I, one of the things I was going to say too, just to to put a punctuation or exclamation point on what you're saying right there. there take matters into your own hands. Sometimes, I mean, th- you don't need to go outside of what they're coaching you or the playbook. But every once in a while, he's got to say "f it" and do things his way on the field too. And some of that's on Getzy too. Like you have a quarterback that could score at, at the goal line too. Like take advantage of that. Yeah. Like, I, I just, yeah. All right. Uh, we got you know, roll. One, one quick thought. The most unbearish thing to do would be actually providing their quarterback with consistency. They never mm. do it. They Unbearing. never do it. Unbearish. Unbearish. No, Unbearish. That's, that's definitely not the case. Guys, I appreciate every one of you jumping on today, having this discussion uh, on this mini buy. Uh, I hope all of our, Podcast listeners, I'm sure they already do check out all of your work, but make sure that that you are reading, watching, listening to each and every one of these fine people that cover the Chicago Bears. Thanks so much, everyone. Okay, Johns, I know we have listeners that listen to this podcast when they're on the L train. Do you think it was confusing for those people when they heard another train while they were on the train? Maybe the timing of yeah. it was funny. Every time Chris was talking, the alternate would go yeah. by. Well, he clearly, I don't know where he lives, but he clearly lives like in one of those apartments that when you're on the brown line, you're, you're like in the inside the apartment. Basically. Yes, yeah. 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 It's city That's living, fine. man. Yeah. I miss it. Hey, that, that noise was like the soundtrack of my youth. Basically. It was the ding, ding, doors closing. Yeah. <laughs> you could like hear that clearly if you're close enough. Yeah. Uh, and we do want to mention too. Uh, make sure you're checking out Herb Howard because um, we didn't. He wasn't there at the start, so we didn't mention all of his. 
credentials, but you follow him on Twitter at Herb Howard 411. He covers the Bears for It's the Bigs. They do great work, and uh, we love Herb. So I'm glad he popped in there at the end, uh, even though he didn't have the exact time right. But uh, fun discussion with uh, with the whole crew. And uh, as far as the rest of this week goes, so the Bears are, are on sort of a different schedule because they play Monday night. So really, the actual work week doesn't start until Thursday for them. Um, they are back in the building tomorrow, though, for some meetings. And so there will be some media availability tomorrow. We thought we'd give you this episode a day early because of you know the long break in between everything. But we'll be back Thursday with our preview episode to break down this Bears-Patriots game. John's the Patriots are seven and a half point favorites. Oh, I haven't even checked yet, really. With, yeah. With Bailey, it's Bailey Zap, right? Not Zappy Zap. No, it's Zappy. Zappy, it's even worse. Um, yeah. But I, but Mac Jones might be back. I think there's a chance. Actually, if I if I know <laughs> my experience watching the Patriots just casually, I would not be surprised if Zappy gets the other start. What is he, 2-0? and Playing yeah. pretty well. Yeah, but I don't know. Belichick it, like, gave this, that very non-committal answer about who's better or how they're different. Like, what what are his stats right now? But this was one of the games we were looking forward to at the beginning of the year because it was Mac Jones versus Justin Fields. <laughs> It'd be so Bill Belichick not to give it to everybody. By the way, oh yeah. So he is two and go on. Did you see the rookie? I don't even know who it is, but some rookie made a play. I think on special <laughs> teams yesterday, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. he tried to give Bill the ball. It's like I saw and that. not only did. did it tells you a lot about Bill Belichick. He had no interest in participating whatsoever. But there was another staffer standing right there that like totally intervened and was like, what are you doing? Like, how dare you try to do that? He had that look of like, get out of here, kid. Yeah. Type of look, right? All right, quickly. I know you want to run. We got to run. I mean, look, three games for Zappi. 2-0 and his two stars. He's completed 72.9% of his passes, 51 for 70, 596 passing yards, four touchdowns, one interception. He's averaging nearly 200 passing yards per game, passer rating of 111.4. Jesus. Just think about that a little bit after that long conversation we just had about the Bears. I I mean, it's too early in the week. I haven't. I haven't gone through enough Patriots tape yet, but I'm guessing that that's sort of a Cooper Rush well, situation. Coaching, that's what, which is fine. Yeah, which is fine. But like you saw last night, like in that Cowboys game, like okay, any any nonsense about how Dak Prescott should like delay his return because of Cooper Rush? Yeah. It's like come on. Well, I got one there's thought a, on that. There's a difference. That's also a case of the Cowboys now playing up against one of the best teams in the league, maybe the best team in the league in the Eagles. Yeah. I am sorry, but the Bears are not that going against the Patriots. True, true. I'm just saying, like in terms of what Bailey Zappi really is, I yeah. don't. Uh, I, I, I think if you're a Patriots fan, you want to see the development of Mac Jones continue. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Certainly, that's what I want to see in this matchup: is Mac Jones versus Justin Fields. But um, hopefully, Justin's healthier. I am intrigued, and I don't know if we'll have the answers by Thursday morning, but um, I am intrigued to see. Don't don't you expect some type of change on the offensive line this week? Well, I know for sure there's going to be a change at punt returner, if you're, if I'm reading Matty Brevlus correctly, but I would anticipate one. There there has to be something. It's yeah, just not good enough. Something. Just not good enough. You can't you can't just keep running those guys out there and saying that's your best five. Then your best five sucks. 
<laughs> yes. It's ridiculous. Right. So, um, all right. Well, we got to roll. Uh, hopefully, you guys enjoyed this pod today. We'll be back later in the week for your Bears Patriots. Yes. Monday night football. The Bears are right back in prime time. I think this is the last one in the season, though. Correct. They are at noon the rest of the season with the uh, week 18 game still to be determined because that's always determined based off playoff scenarios. They ain't flexing anything. <laughs> well, that could be a late afternoon game if the Vikings are playing for something. And remember how they try to line up all the windows so that yeah. the team's playing for something all play at the same time. Everybody's watching them. I get yeah, you. So, but otherwise, we're at noon the rest of the season after this Monday night game. And um, I can't wait to hear what Peyton and Eli have to say about this Bears team. Because <laughs> we get the Peyton-Eli experience on Monday Night That's Football. That's true. That actually may be better than actually covering the game in person. Right. Yeah. Well, that's still a week away now that I think about it, this game. So there's plenty of, plenty of time. But uh, we'll get there. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Read Johnsy on The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You can read me at all C-H-G-O. Dot com and check out uh, the CHGO Bears podcast every single day uh, at noon. All right, we're out of here. Talk to you later in the week. See ya. Anyway, uh, who cares? <laughs>